illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while from Wisconsin, the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother of the beach. Beach, how are you doing? You know, Billy, I had I stopped by the In and Out on my way home tonight. I had myself a double double, uh, just a regular fry, not a cheese fry, and a zero sugar lemonade, and I'm in pretty good shape. They have zero sugar lemonade. Is it just a Minute Maid? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. The, your only diet, your only uh, zero sugar choices there are either Diet Coke or zero sugar lemonade. I think the zero sugar lemonade has like 15 calories or something like that. Yeah, we have it at Woodstock's. Yeah. And that's why I was wondering if it was something they made or if it was Minute Maid. So. I'm guessing it's Minute Maid. Yeah, probably. Since they just have Coke products there. so Probably. Wasn't much of a line tonight. Well, that's good. You know, it's funny because like in the last, well, since the beginning of the year, I think I've been to In-N-Out twice maybe. Wow. Went for the 4th of July because uh-huh. I figured that was, we figured that was pretty American. Mm-hmm. And then we went with the boys not long after that. Because of something we were doing, we're like, "Oh, let's go to In and Out." But as much as I love that place, I just don't go that often. See, I hit In and Out. Well, and I have a little different lifestyle than you. Uh. But uh, I hit In and Out about once a week. I hit Chick Fil A probably once a week, twice if you count. Sometimes I hit it for breakfast. Um, I had Wendy's for breakfast this morning. You know, as our conversation from a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, those are, and then McDonald's a lot more frequently than that for breakfast. Yeah, I just. Like I said, for me, being in Dallas and then having to cut through downtown Salem and then out to Kaiser, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a pain in the butt. Oh, for me, it works out really well because usually I've been pulling on. I go through St. Paul and pull on at Brooks oh. and, mm-hmm. and come right in down I-5. Yeah. So good times, though, anyway. Well, I just want to remind everyone the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, anything else we find interesting and funny every week. 
You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most other podcatchers if you want to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on X, and uh, HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Did we get any emails this week, Billy? Um, no, I got two from Kyle. One for this week and his one from last week Oh, that he, he forgot to send. So when we get to the part where we're going over last week's um, games, I'll read what he wrote before we go through what happened. Sound good? Okay. Okay, sounds good. All right. So let's do a little bit of Beaver sports news. Ready for some volleyball? Always ready for some volleyball, Billy, as long as it doesn't include any uh, butts, except for the butts of the volleyball players. Double doubles from Amanda Burns and Megan Sheridan and strong defense helped push the Oregon State volleyball team to a four-set win over California last Thursday and snap a two-match skid. The Beavers saw a pair, Sheridan and Peyton Seuss, get double digits and kills and use Burns' career-best 37 assists to outmuscle the home-standing Golden Bears. And then on Saturday afternoon, Beach, the Oregon State uh-huh. volleyball team fell in four sets to the fourth-ranked Stanford Cardinal. The Beavs were led offensively by three, Peyton Seuss, Michael Vernon, and Megan Sheridan, who totaled double figures in kills while Amanda Burns tallied a team-high 31 assists. Ryan White led the defensive effort with 14 digs. Burns tallied the lone ace for the Beavs. Now, Oregon State will travel to Arizona for the final road trip of the season. Action with the Wildcats is slated for a 4 p.m., start on Friday, November 17th, and can be seen on the University of Arizona live stream. Hmm. Does Oregon State have a live stream? I don't know. Uh, yeah, they do on some sports. Yeah, they do. Hmm. Yeah, they do live stream. So the Beavs are 10 and 16, 5 and 11 in the Pac-12. Okay. So that's well, not, not going to get it done for uh, – no, but Go but ahead. you know, hey, at least there was a win in that uh, in the in in the uh, last week's uh, games there. That was pretty good. Yep. Well, we got some uh, postseason news for women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Oregon State forward McKenna Martinez has earned Pac-12 All-Conference honors. The league announced last week. The junior was chosen to the All-Pac-12 third team for the second straight season. She finished the 2023 campaign with a total of six goals and three assists, starting all 19 matches on the season. Now, she started all 57 games she's played in during her three seasons as a Beave, amassing 28 goals over that span. She finished her junior season tied for fourth in program history in career goals and seventh in career points. Impressive as heck. Yeah. That's awesome. And let's move on to a little bit of men's soccer. The Oregon State men's soccer team battled to a 2-2 draw Thursday evening in the regular season finale at Lorenz Field. Arnu Farnos and Fran Cortijo both found the net for the Beavs. With the result, the Beavs wrapped up the regular season with a record of 7-5-5 overall and will finish second in the Pac-12 with a mark of 4-1-5 in conference play. This marked the sixth straight season oh. OSU has finished top three in the Pac-12. 4-1-5. Yeah. In the Pac. Correct. And they're number two. Yeah. Tying five games, they're number two. Correct. They didn't lose those five games. Everybody gets a trophy. 
Well, the Oregon State men's soccer team on Monday was selected as the host team for the first round of the NCAA tournament and will host Seattle University on Thursday at Lorenz Field. Now, this will mark the Beavs' eighth appearance in the NCAA tournament and their fifth in the last six years. Now, should Oregon State advance beyond Thursday, the Beavs would head north for a matchup at Portland on Sunday. So UOP is uh, in the same... Yeah, and so they, they get a first-round bye. Oh, oh really? Because they're – well, UP's always had good soccer uh, teams. Men, men and women's, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say both both on both sides. Well, isn't that crazy, wild gal who nobody likes who was uh, on the national team? Didn't she come from UP? Rapido? Yeah. Rapino, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think is. so. She ended yeah. her uh, She ended her career this weekend and – Nobody cared. And she, uh, no, actually, she uh, got injured in like the first couple minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think it was an Achilles. I don't know if she just tweaked it or what, but she was done. So I think it's karma, but you know. Yeah, I, I've I've never she, she has a. So cut, it, yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah, I agree. It was really interesting for me when uh, I, I I don't care about soccer, but. I very, I very much love this country. And so like when the Olympics roll around, I'll pay attention to sports and Olympics that I don't normally care about. Right. But I'm like, let's see, let's see us athletes win. I want to see, you know, damn it. USA, USA, USA. And so, and even when it would be like the world cup for the men's or women's normally don't care about soccer, but I'll pay attention during world cup because damn it. I want to see the USA win part of it. I want to see the U S win. So if the like the men win it all, we can kind of look around and go, yeah, we won it, but we don't even care to go about our lives, <laughs> you know, so true. knowing that the other countries <laughs> they'd be soccer, <laughs> yeah, the other countries they'd be rioting, <laughs> right? I, but uh, but this year, just because of the attitude of so many of the women on the women's team, didn't care. I was actively yeah. hoping they'd lose. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with you on that one. I didn't watch much. I don't think I watched any of it, but whenever I heard the updates on the news, I'm like, just lose already. I'm tired of it. Yeah. So. Well, and my thing is, and a lot of people don't realize this, you know, they, they the women's pissed and moaned about their contract and they didn't get paid as much as men. And I would say this is true, but a couple things. One, men's soccer still brings in more money than women's. Mm-hmm. So there's that to deal with. And two, mm-hmm. The women got what they bargained for. Mm-hmm. They were offered a contract originally the same as the men, but the men's contract had a higher ceiling, but a lower floor, right? More, more, so more do you want, fast. do you want, do you want less guaranteed for... money mm-hmm. with more on the upside if you do well, or do you want higher guaranteed money with less on the upside? And that's what the men took. We'll take less in the hopes of getting more. The women, took the higher guaranteed with the less on the top side. It's like taking even money versus risking it. Yeah. And so they uh-huh. got exactly what they wanted. And then when then it's not what they like, yeah, because yeah. the men are making I more. I want to renegotiate like, my deal because I want to renegotiate my deal because I would have made more money the other way. Exactly. It's like you yeah, got what you negotiated for. Them. I know. But anyways, so that's why I didn't like them. Anyways, let's move on, Beach. Good for the men. Okay. Hopefully they can beat uh, Seattle U, although I do believe they lost to the Red Hawks during the regular season. 
So no, they I be- didn't tie. They didn't tie to them. No, I believe they lost to half a, the teams they tied to. I believe they Seattle isn't in the uh, Pac-12. I believe they tied to Seattle in Seattle. So maybe being in Lorenz Field will be a is a is thing. Uh, uh, just a stupid question here. Is Lorenz Field uh, a nice field comparatively to other other uh, venues in like the Pac-12, or are they all about the same? Just I don't know. I, mean, why, I don't know. I don't pay attention picked, to. Why did they get picked to host? Is it just because they're because they're the second in the second team? Conference. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know if it had anything to do with uh, venue or anything like that. I don't know if anyone has a phenomenal soccer venue. You know. Mm-hmm. Like bleachers, bleachers in a field, four rocks and a ball. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, I, it's, I, what it looks like to me is the Beavers, Lorenz Field looks pretty nice, but mm-hmm. I don't know what other teams soccer venues look like i, I want to say UAPs looks very similar i mean it's just a big open area yeah but of course it's a private school but smaller athletic budget and smaller yeah smaller uh population that goes there so well when you think about it too I, they don't even have football there do they no so the one big revenue maker they don't even have yeah uh, they have basketball yeah but but football makes far more money than basketball in general doesn't it if you have football yeah, yeah. All right. Okie dokie. Uh, let's move on to Cross Country Beach. Ooh, running for fun. What do we got? Kaylee Mitchell added another chapter to her storied legacy at Oregon State on Friday morning. The redshirt senior from Salem won her second straight NCAA West Regional and set a course record of 19 minutes, 8.4 seconds in the process. It was Mitchell's third straight season earning all region honors and secured her trip to the NCAA championships next week. Now, joining her in Charlottesville will be Grace Feathersonha, who has also earned her third straight all-region selection by placing third overall. The the duo will head to the championships, looking to earn All-America honors for the second consecutive season. Now, Beach, as a team, OSU placed ninth, the disappointing overall result that likely takes the Bees out of the running, for the NCAA championships as a team. The Bees dealt with injuries over the course of the season's final weeks and were able to put together the full team performance to make nationals for a second year in a row. Hmm. So there you go. Move on to some wrestling. All right. After a 5-1 opening weekend that saw a top four upset in the Southeast Open, Gabe Weisenhunt was honored as the NCAA Wrestling Athlete of the Week, as well as the Pac-12 Athlete of the Week. The Corvallis product highlighted his weekend with a victory by takedown at 10-9 over number 4 Virginia Tech's Sam Latona to secure his place in the final of the Southeast Open in Salem, Virginia on Saturday. It marked the biggest win in the sophomore's career. Now, Weisenhunt's first week vaulted him into the 23rd on Intermat and 24th on Flow Wrestling spots in the rankings. Now he did finish the 22-23 season with a 9-3 mark. Dating back to last season, Weisenhunt is the second straight Beaver to receive the honor from the Pac-12 and third OSU wrestler to get the nod in the season's first week. The, okay. Be- the Beavs will be back on the mat on November 19th when they meet 8th-ranked Iowa in a road duel. Hmm. Pretty far distance to go to Iowa. Yeah, but there's not a lot of teams that have <laughs> wrestling, right? You no, go in the no, Midwest and the South, there's a ton of them. Yeah. But, 
but but and these aren't and these are just one-on-one matches these aren't like multiple groups here on this one well this is a duel so yeah it's just you and the other guy okay 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 let's move on to women's basketball and I was real can the girls doing Oregon State took the lead midway through the third quarter and didn't look back in an 85 to 74 win over Arkansas Pine Bluff in both teams season opening game. Now the Beavs were a second half team on that Monday trailing by at least 10 for most of the first half before outpacing the Golden Lions 52 to 28 the rest of the way. And then Sorry. Beach on Sunday after trailing Villanova for majority of the first half. Oregon State again owned the second half to claim the victory and moved to 2-0 with a 63-56 win over the Wildcats, who were a Sweet 16 team last year. Wow. For the Beavs, Reagan Beers led, the, led them with 20 points, 14-rebound performance, her second straight double-double, despite foul trouble throughout the game. The sophomore is now just two double-doubles away from entering the Oregon State career top 10. Mm. Reagan is the first Pac-12 player since at least the 1990 2000 CN to record 20 points and 14 rebounds all in under 20 minutes. Jeez. So next up for the undefeated beeves, they will face the UC Davis Aggies on Friday at six in Gill Coliseum. Hmm. And let's finish up with a little bit of men's basketball. The Oregon State men's basketball team opened the 23-24 season with an 82-46 victory over Linfield last Monday afternoon at Gill. Jordan Pope led the Bees with 16 points on 7-for-13 shooting from the floor. Tyler Billadou and Dexter Acano finished with 11 points apiece, while DeJohn Craig had 9. Then on Friday evening at Gill, the Oregon State men's basketball team moved to 2-0 on the season after taking down Troy 81 to 80 in a double overtime marathon. Troy University. Where's that? It's out of Alabama, I think. There used to be okay. Troy State. Let me look. Yep, Troy, Alabama. Okay. Public University. So it's a tight one. Dexter Cano played over 48 minutes in the game, scoring 18 points. Jordan Pope finished with 14 points, including a number of big buckets in the extra periods. Now, it was once again Jordan Pope in the closing seconds of the second overtime as his three-point play with six seconds to go gave the Beavs the win. Nice job. The Beavs will wrap up their three-game homestand uh, tonight, as you're listening to this, when Appalachian State visits Gill Coliseum. Speaking of Appalachian State, that's where, uh, that's where game day is going to be this week. Yes, it is. Well, they're going to James Madison, yeah, who's playing. James Madison. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Beach, so. you want a little bit of football? We got a little bit of football news here. Okay. Oregon State sophomore tight end Jack Velling is one of nine semifinalists for the John Mackey Award, which was announced last Wednesday. The honor is given annually to the nation's top collegiate tight end. Now, Velling, who hails from Seattle, leads the nation among tight ends with eight touchdown receptions. That ranks him 14th nationally, regardless of position. Hmm. Velling's eight touchdowns are also an Oregon State single-season record, surpassing Joe Newton and two Tim Ewis, who each had seven. In a season. Wow. Hey, Billy. Yes, me. You hear that? I do. Right, here, hold on. Hold on. Hold Billy. Yes, me. This 
just in. The U of O's Daily Emerald published an article this week to let everyone know that the U of O's Student Rec Center has fitness block hours for those who identify as women, non-binary, or trans. This way, the women don't have to feel embarrassed working out around men or those who identify as men. This can be uncomfortable. Uh, they can they can be comfortable without fear of being ogled or intimidated. So all you fucking freaks who live in Eugene and are tired of jacking off to your chicken horses porn while playing D&D and your all-virgin circle jerk in your mom's basement, here's your chance to see real live women partially clothed and sweaty. All you need to do is put on some lipstick and high heels and head on down to the UFO rec center fitness block and get your freak on. Who knows, maybe you can even take a run through the locker room and see some nip. It's all good, the women will feel comfortable and not at all embarrassed. In fact, I'm sure being ogled by chicks with dicks is quite the turn on and not at all intimidating, you dumb motherfuckers at U of O. But wait, there's more. Oh God. The Daily Emerald also wants to make you aware of a new group on campus, the QTAPI, QTAPI. The Queer, Trans, Asian, and Pacific Islander Oppressed Group. Please don't confuse this group with the Queer, Trans, Intersex Students of Color as they are clearly two unique and special groups serving two drastically different types of people. Tucked away in the corner of the first floor of the Herb Memorial Center sits the LGBTQA3 Center, a space specifically carved out for queer students on campus. In case you don't know what LGBTQA3 is, it is lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, asexual, aromantic, and allied alliance. One floor above the LGBTQA3 office lies the Multicultural Center, a space made by and for ethnic students on campus. Designated spaces for marginalized students on a mostly white, heteronormative campus are important. But what about spaces for students who identify as both ethnic minorities and queer? Where the hell are they supposed to go? That is where QTAPI comes in. A group for the minorities of the minorities, but only queer, trans, Asian, and Pacific Islander minorities, not queer, blacks, Native Americans, South Americans, Australian Aborigines, olive-skinned Italians, Hispanics, brown Arabs, and definitely not Jews. According to Amelia Koch, one of the founding members of the U of O's QTAPI group, queer BIPOC students are in an in-between of a limited resource Venn diagram. The U of O doesn't do the best job supporting queer and trans students, and I don't think there's enough support for BIPOC students. And me, as, as me, Brian here, I have to say that I agree with Mr. or Mrs. Koch, as I don't want to assume their gender. It's very apparent in this article that the U of O does not care enough about its marginalized students. Not one bit. Damn, these people are unfucking believable. And this has been your binary white cis heteronormative Heiner Tailgater update from Eugene. <sighs> Those articles were in the Daily Emerald. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was painful to read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh I just God. I just can't believe how quickly you know you used to go to college to like learn something and now you go there to, to like try and show how much more oppressed you are than the next person. Exactly, exactly. You know I was I was watching a video the other day and this We don't this need to know goes, about that. Oh, yeah, that was different. So <laughs>
you know, there was a, I saw a meme the other day and it showed um, after a breakup and it showed uh, like women and it had a box of Kleenexes. <laughs> and then it had a man. I know exactly. And a box of yeah, exactly. I knew and, you were going with that. And they're two absolutely different purposes for that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, but uh, where was I? I'm sorry, I got distracted with my my stupid little meme. Anyways, it, yeah, it, it's just insane anymore. You know, there there's no education that goes on. It's just absolutely. Uh, again, the the I'm like. I, you just go to school. You learn something. You go get a job. You feed your family. You you have a life. Like, and instead, it's like, no, you have to treat me with kid gloves because I'm special. If everybody's special, nobody's special. So, and nobody cares. Just do your job. Yeah. So, Anyways, anyway. Beach. Well, I tell you what. How about we go under for the review for week number eleven in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! That sounds like a positive thing, yeah, Billy. I got sounds... my little, I got my little thing here. But you know, my my little report. I have this blank line under. I, I have B for Beach, K for Kyle. I hate I you, hate Kyle. Kyle. And then a W for William. That's how I separate you and I. Oh. And uh, and and Kyle's is blank. And you know why Kyle's is blank? Because he had one freaking job last week, which was to give a stupid number picks to you, and he couldn't even do that. Yeah, he sent him in on Monday, Monday afternoon. So, all right. I mean, so heading he into must, this he must week, struggle to wipe his own butt. That's all I can do. <laughs> That's why he's got Monica. Um, we've got uh, heading into last week. You were at forty-four out of sixty-three. Kyle and I were tied with forty-seven out of sixty-three. We had five games that we picked this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first up, we had Utah at Washington. Who did you and I take, Beach? We both picked Washington. And what did Kyle pick since uh, he didn't tell us last week? Kyle says, week 11, more like week sauce, Kyle, for kidding his Sunday duties. And I got to figure out, what was that? Washington at Utah. Washington at Utah. He didn't even pick that one. Are you kidding Oh, me? no, no, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Here, he's got him in the wrong order. Baby goats kick the dogs in the Penix. Utah, Utes. So Michael Penix Jr. So he took the baby goats. And? Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. threw for two touchdowns and ran for another. And Washington pitched a shutout in the second half to rally for a 35-28 win over number 13, Utah. The Huskies extended the second longest active win streak in the nation to 17 games and stayed in the middle of the college football playoff conversation. The only other time Washington reached the 10-0 mark came in 1991 when the Huskies claimed a share of the national title with Miami. Now, Washington watched Utah score touchdowns on four straight possessions at one point of the first half. In the second half, Utah had six possessions and only crossed midfield once. Now, Beach, during that game, Washington linebacker Alfonso Tapotala had what appeared to be a second pick six in the past four games for Washington, except he came up one yard short. Now, Tapotala was on the verge of giving Washington a two-score lead after intercepting Barnes and returning it for what appeared to be a 76-yard TD, but he dropped the ball at the one-yard line as he was going into the end zone. 
I was I, I was watching that in the stands on my phone. Yeah. It was hysterical. Yep. And while he celebrated with his teammates, Utah offensive lineman Michael Mafofsky jumped on the loose ball, giving the Utes possession. But, Beach, Washington quickly regained momentum as Utah running back Jaquindon Jackson was tackled in the end zone on the very next play for a safety. Still saved him seven points, though. I mean, or saved yeah. him five points, theoretically. Yeah. And actually, the Utah kind of got screwed towards the end of that game. They were down by a score and had a first down, but they called the Utah tight end for offensive pass interference, and it was just horrible. Horrible really? call. I, Washington has benefited from more horrible calls this year than anyone I've ever seen. Hmm. I mean, they basically beat Arizona State because of a horrible pickup of a uh, – they picked up a flag, which should have been pass interference on Washington in the end zone. Oh, that was, was a weird one. Yeah. And this that was, made no sense. It was horrible, right? And then yeah. this was horrible too. So, I don't know. Keep our eye out for that on Saturday. Yeah. So you and I well, got the I mean, wind beard wind. You know, I, I've got a, one of my vendors who sells me van bodies. He's, he's a, he's a Husky graduate and we were chatting back and forth today is, you know, in very, you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, I said, I would certainly like it if you guys could lose one this week, it's not going to hurt your positioning, assuming you went out the next one, but it would certainly be nice to keep the ducks out of that freaking spot. Yeah. And, and he said, I'm not going to disagree with you there. So, <laughs> Probably because they're more scared of the ducks. Probably that that true, but I mean nobody likes the sons of bitches. No. So you know the the more you can kick them down. I was reading an article today where it said the ducks, the ducks are the only team that control their own destiny. No, Washington does. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, but they don't really control their own destiny. Well, yeah, if Oregon they went out, they go. Does. But doesn't Oregon State to some extent the too? Oregon or is, State, I think, needs a, an Arizona loss. Unless did did Oregon beat Arizona or did Oregon no? Not they play didn't Arizona? play. Okay. So even if we beat Oregon and beat the Huskies, Arizona needs to drop one because we're tied with them and they go over us. Yeah, because if well, if Oregon State's tied with Arizona. They so, beat us, so, yeah. Yeah. And if because, Oregon drops the next two games. Or just the next one game. Or one of the next, our game, Civil War. Yeah. Then, so, then they would go over, then Oregon would, uh, then Arizona would go over Oregon, would they not? Maybe. I, it depends on who they play. See, Oregon would have lost to Washington and Oregon State. no. Arizona would go because if Oregon is, let's say Oregon's lost to Washington and, and Oregon. Because we lost to Arizona and Oregon lost to us. Theoretically, they beat us or the Arizona beat them. No, no, it only goes head to head. And if it's not head to head, then it goes on your cumulative record against the rest of the pack. Common opponents. Okay. So, um, Oregon didn't play Arizona, so that one doesn't matter. And who else did they miss? USC. No, UCLA. So. And Oregon didn't play UCLA this year, correct? Correct. 
because they played USC. So it has to be against everybody. You'd have to look at it. So it's only against yeah. common opponents. Okay, so. interesting. Okay, well, sorry. So uh, you and I picked up the win there. Kyle did not. All right, up next, Beach, USC at Oregon. Um, what did Kyle say? Kyle said... I got to find out. Okay, well, you and I uh, both picked it again. We did. Um, Kyle said, can Bo have a bad game? I'm going to say Ducks, but I'll be happy to see the other team lose. So he too picked Oregon. Oregon quarterback Bo Nix threw for a 412 yards and four touchdowns, and number six Oregon held off a late USC rally for a 36-27 victory on Saturday night, effectively eliminating the Trojans from contention for the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon wide receiver Tez Johnson caught seven passes for 126 yards and two scores, and Oregon racked up 552 yards in total offense. It was the fourth straight win for the Ducks, who are undefeated at home. For USC, Caleb Williams threw for 291 yards and a touchdown and ran for another score. USC has lost four of its last five games after winning its first six. Austin Jones scored on a 13-yard scamper late in the fourth quarter to get the the Trojans within 36-27 with 3.54 left. But the two-point conversion failed, and USC didn't get closer. And I didn't understand that, Beach. USC was down by 15. They Mm -hmm. scored a touchdown. So now they're down by nine. Okay. So they're going to need to get a two-point conversion in there. So they Mm -hmm. went for two right then, didn't get it, and left themselves down by two scores. I, it didn't make any sense to me. You think I, they like, would have, I would have kicked it, kicked it, take the extra point. Now you're down by eight. You're down by one score. No matter mm-hmm. what, in this scenario, you've got to get one two-point conversion. Unless they yeah. were thinking, we're going to get two two-point conversions and try to win it like that. Mm-hmm. But, I, but a lot of times I, you're just trying to get there, just get to that point where yeah. that score ties it up. Yeah, and now you've given you've basically given Oregon another out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They've got an yeah. extra out to play with. Well, even if they score here, then we know, you know, we just need yeah, to, we, we, we got an extra out to play with. So it didn't make any mm-hmm. sense. So anyways, all three of us got the win there. Okay. Next up, Arizona State at UCLA. And you and I both picked bitch tits. What did Kyle do? Kyle says, UCLA picks on the slow kid, UCLA. <laughs> Down five offensive linemen and facing one of the top defenses in the country, Arizona State coach Kenny Dillingham knew he had to be unconventional if the Sun Devils had any shot of competing against UCLA. They not only competed, they pulled off the win. Using a variety of different formations, Arizona State kept the Bruins off balance Saturday night in its 17-7 victory at the Rose Bowl. The Sun Devils were without 14 players, including five offensive linemen, yet managed to rebound from last week's 55-3 loss at number 18 Utah and defeat the Bruins, who were 18.5-point favorites. Wow. Arizona State went to a swinging gate formation often and had one play during the first half that was a combination of a swinging gate and flying wedge. The offensive line... So do you you know what... I don't mean to sound stupid. Maybe you can describe this. What's a swinging gate? So, Beach, a swinging gate. Um, imagine you line up your center with quarterback behind him. Uh-huh. And then you take all your other linemen and line them up 10 yards away from him. Okay. Right. And, okay. and you can put one tight end, maybe on the line out one side of the court on one side of the, uh, center and uh-huh. then put another guy on the line on the other side of your lineman. 
Okay. And then you can put a running back behind the quarterback and another guy behind those four offensive linemen out there. Okay. So it depends on how they're going to try and defend that, right? Yeah. Because you can either you can hand it off right behind you. And so do you have one guy lined up against your center then? Maybe. Depends how the defense wants to do it. And and then you have half the guys split on one side and half the guys split on the other. Well, yeah, it's how, how are you going to defend that, right? Yeah. Because it's 11 on 11, but the offensive changed, have moved to put their 11 in very unconventional lineup. So where are you going to put your 11 guys to defend it? If you don't put yeah. enough guys out there on those linemen that are all split out there, he's just going to dump the ball off to the running back who's standing behind him. And then he's mm-hmm. got, you know, four to six blockers in front of him. Yeah. So. Okay, and they call that a swinging gate. Called the swinging gate. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, right. we, uh, Arizona State uh, running back Cam Scadaboo rushed and passed for touchdowns in the second half. The junior running back threw for a 25-yard touchdown to Elijah Badger in the third quarter and then put the game out of reach in the fourth quarter with a 17-yard carry up the left side and into the end zone. So, Arizona State getting really uh, – creative but hey they came out with the win are they bowl eligible yet uh i don't think they can be oh no first of all they can't because they have self-imposed a bowl ban this year because their coach was an ass because of recruiting violations that are being investigated by the ncaa right now from past head coach herm edwards so they they do they have but they they impose the ban themselves correct is that to try to hopefully get some leniency when when the things are done, saying we've already imposed our ban? Uh, yeah, trying to kind of head it off a little bit. Okay. And at this point, they are three and seven overall, so there's no way they'll be eligible. Gotcha. Well, kind of cool. They kicked bitch tits in the face. What? Uh, how about UCLA? Are they bowl eligible yet? Uh, yeah, they're six and four overall. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, and unfortunately, none of us got the point on that one, but still sounds like a fun game. Yep. Next up, Arizona at Colorado. Well, you and I picked uh, Arizona. Kyle? Kyle said, Neon Dion needs to replace his bulbs and his O-line, Arizona. And is that true? Well, Arizona kicker Tyler Loop connected on a 25-yard field goal with no time remaining, and number 23 Arizona rallied to beat Colorado 34-31 on Saturday night at sold-out Folsom Field. Jonah Coleman rushed for 179 yards as the Wildcats earned their fourth consecutive victory. Arizona trailed 24-17 at the break and didn't take its first lead until Loop's field goal at the very end of the game. The Wildcats beads are only 13-74 when trailing at halftime in the Pac-12 era according to league research. So it seems to me like Colorado is losing most of their games by like just about a field goal. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're coming in there with pretty much a score. Yeah. I, I don't want to say right they're cooking it because I, I don't want to say they're cooking it because other than Stanford, they they've always been behind, I think. Well, let's see. But, uh, they got, they got waffle stop by Oregon. They lost mm-hmm. by seven to USC. They mm-hmm. lost by three to Stanford. Mm-hmm. They lost by 12 to UCLA. They lost by seven to Oregon State. They lost by three to Arizona. 
Okay. So, I mean, outside of Oregon, they're not that far out. You know, they're not getting the crap beat out of them. No. So, but maybe, beef. maybe. I was going to say, give, give, give uh, Dion another year in the pack, and 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 maybe he'll be competitive. And like, oh, that's oh, right, yeah. there's. Pack. Well, Beach, Colorado quarterback Shadur Sanders ran for a score and threw for two more as the Buffaloes lost for the sixth time in seven games since a three and zero start. Sanders also finished with 262 yards passing to go over the 10,000 yard mark for his career. Now, Colorado kicker Alejandro Mata missed a 44 yard field goal to the right with 470 or 457 remaining. So if they had hit that, it put more pressure on Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now for Arizona, Fafita threw for 214 yards and two scores. Receiver Montana Lamonius Craig got five passes for 67 yards against his former team. I just love, I'm only throwing this in there because I love saying Montana Lamonius Craig. I just love that last name, Lamonius Craig. Now Lamonius Craig entered the transfer portal after Colorado spring game and has been a dependable target for Fafita. Now, Lamonius Craig was given a game ball by head coach Jed Fish for stopping near the goal line so the Wildcats could run down the clock late in the game. Oh, really? Yep, so he caught a pass and could have run it in, but instead he stopped and sat down right there, let the Arizona run off the rest of the clock, and then Arizona kicked a a field goal um, that went through with no time left to uh, win the game. Wow. So you got to appreciate that, too, when – a guy is willing to give up the stats for himself to do what's mm-hmm. better for the team. Yeah. So. Because it was better to just wait the clock out and go for three rather than get the seven and worry about an onside kick and a potential drive. Correct. So hmm. we all got the win there. Last up, beads that we're talking about on the picks, Washington State at Cal. Our only variance here, because I picked the Cougs and you picked the Bears. And who did Kyle pick? Kyle said, Cougs, Coog the year, Cal. Damn you, Kyle. Cal's defense had its best game of the season, returning two fumbles for touchdowns and recording a season-high six sacks as the Golden Bears beat Washington State 42-39 to on Saturday to end a four-game losing streak and keep their slim bull hopes alive. Washington State kicker Dean Janikowski missed a pair of field goal attempts in the fourth quarter, including a 48-yarder that was wide left with 50 seconds remaining. For Cal, running back Jaden Ott rushed for 167 yards and accounted for two touchdowns for Cal. Ott, who went over 1,000 yards for the season, missed a chance at a third score when he fumbled in the end zone. Teammate Brian Driscoll recovered and got the touchdown. The Cougs Beach have lost six straight since beating the Bees and opening the season 4-0. Just just a train wreck. And I don't I don't know what it, it makes me sad because I was really rooting. I, I've always kind of liked the Cougs because I feel like they are a, even before what's happened to the Pac-12, I always felt they were kind of like a sister um university to Oregon State. Mm-hmm. You know, not a big market, struggles to get the top, you know, get get good talent to play for them. Um, you know. And uh, I was really wanting to see them do well this year, and it just makes me sad that they just fell on their face. Yeah. So. So, Beach, looks like you ended up with uh, three out of five. Kyle also had three out of five, and I got four out of five. So, at the end of the week, you got 47 out of 68, 
Kyle's at 50 out of 68, and I am at 51 out of 68. Only two weeks to go. No way for me to make this one up unless there's a complete and utter <laughs> Yep. All right. So our last game of the week to talk about, Beach, Stanford at Oregon State. It's a great game, Billy. It was a great game. Oregon State running back Damian Martinez ran for 146 yards and a career-high four touchdowns to lead number 12 Oregon State to a 62-17 victory over Stanford on Saturday. Martinez, the Pac-12 freshman offensive player of the year last year, surpassed 1,000 yards for the season and did most of his damage in the first half with 136 yards and all Doing okay over there, yeah, I've got the hiccups. Breathing. I've got the hiccups. And oh. 136 yards and all four touchdowns, including a 59-yard score in the first quarter. Now, the Beavs kept their Pac-12 championship game hopes intact and extended their home winning streak to nine games. Stanford, which was coming off a 10-7 win at Washington State and played number 5 Washington close at home two weeks ago, couldn't keep up with the Beavs' big play offense. DJ Uyunglele completed 12 of 19 passes for 240 yards and two touchdowns. The Beavs' defense was led by end Andrew Chatfield Jr., who had two sacks, forced a fumble, and had an interception. Safety Kadan Oladapo had two of the Beavers' four interceptions as well. Now, the Beavs were balanced offensively, Beach, with 277 yards on the ground and six rushing touchdowns and 321 yards through the air and three scores. The defense produced four interceptions, four sacks, and 11 total tackles for loss. What was our what was our average uh, uh, yards per play? At one point in time, we were like averaging like nine or ten yards uh, per play. It ended up right. I know on the season, the Beavs averaged like almost eight yards a play. Wow. Or no, maybe it was in that game they were averaging eight yards a play. But okay. Yeah. So you do that, you're averaging almost a first down every time you touch the ball. Hopefully we can do that for the next, you know, four games. Yeah, that'd be great. But, yeah, the Beavs really just dominated. And that hurdle by Deshaun Fenwick was amazing. That was pretty awesome, yeah. That was awesome. It just kills me how much differently and how much more aggressive this Beaver team is at home as opposed to on the road. I, I, I would agree. It, it's, it's, it really is night and day when you're watching them. Yeah. They, they seem to be ignited when they're at home. And they seem to be somewhat lethargic uh, at, at all the away venues. And that's and putting I don't it nicely. Know. Yeah, I hope that's not going to be the case in two weeks. Well, we don't have to worry about that uh, right now. We only have one game yeah. to worry about. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was a win. Uh, was not a perfect weekend, but half of a perfect weekend is better than not a perfect weekend at all. Correct. And what did you think about the uh, uh, sausage fest? Yeah, well, how about the tailgater? I thought this. I thought Sausage Fest was pretty good. I agree. So you know, the, you know, it's surprising to me the uh, the the English bangers went so pretty so fast. Well, we only went through like eight. I know, but that was fast. There, there was more of those. I just so, what I just, else? What was that? We went through a lot of what garlics, garlic, garlics, and pineapple, garlic and pineapple. Yep, yep, yep. So. so but yeah, no, which, it was good. One, it, was, it was damn. Which one did you have? I had the, uh, I had the uh, garlic. That's my favorite. I think I had a garlic, and I think I had a pineapple. Although I had a, uh, I had a, um, 
an English banger yesterday. Okay. Okay. And the pretzels, we didn't have any pretzels left, but they went quick as hell. Do you want me to get more pretzels? Are they People like the pretzels. Okay. I don't know if I can get those same ones because mm-hmm. I already placed my order this week, but I can pick something up at uh, Tash and Carry on Wednesday. Okay, yeah. The pretzels seem to, to do well, and I can, okay. I can cook those. Anything else work well on the uh, in the oven? Uh, I mean, we could do cookies. I was going to get you some more um, – uh, Churros. Okay, I need something that's a little forgiving. So I think the churros and the uh, the churros and the uh, pretzels are more forgiving than cookies would be. Okay, all right. But anyways, yeah, it was good. It's, it, I'm not always on time with my timer. Yeah, it was a good. Yeah, the, uh, heat's a little, the heat's a little inconsistent. Yeah, it was a good uh, good tailgater though. A little wet, but uh, pretty mm-hmm. good. Unless unless we do uh, mac, do we have chocolate or white chocolate macadamia nut? Probably not. Okay. Snickerdoodle? I don't know. That'd probably be difficult. You gotta, I don't know. Okay, let's just stay with what we got. Yeah. I'll, I'll look when I'm at Cash and Carry on Wednesday. Okay. Maybe okay. a little mini pizza. Ooh, maybe a little mini pizzas? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not buying mini pizzas to run through that oven. All right. Uh, you ready to move on to the Pac-12 and the polls? Yes, how are we doing? So the polls came out again on Sunday. In the AP poll, Washington stayed at number five. Mm-hmm. Oregon is at number six. Mm-hmm. Oregon State moved up to number 10. Okay. Utah fell to 16. Arizona moved up to number 19. And USC is in the others receiving votes category. So they are completely out of the polls. Mm-hmm. In the coaches' poll, Washington again, number five, Oregon six, Oregon State 10, Utah 16, and Arizona 22nd. Again, with USC and the others receiving votes category. And then, Beach, this is last week's numbers because they haven't released the new college football playoff rankings yet. But last week, Washington was at fifth, Oregon at sixth, Oregon State at 12th. And remember, you have to be in the top four to get into that. Wow. So they still need some disruption to to be considered for national. Well, I will say no team with two losses has ever played in the four-team playoff. So, and you, you made a comment. I'm sorry I'm not up on all the other conferences, but I'm going to guess. Is Michigan the other team with the, with the longest winning streak? Hmm. No, Georgia. Got Georgia. Okay, so Georgia's number one with the longest winning streak, and Washington's number two? Correct. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. But uh, we'll see. I, I imagine Oregon State will move up to 10. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, there's still some upper teams need to play each other. Um, Oregon State has to play Washington and Oregon. Mm-hmm. So there's some losses to go around there mm-hmm. michigan still has to play ohio state plus there still has to be a big 10 championship game so possible losses there mm-hmm. georgia and alabama are still slated to play in the sec championship game so there, there's room for some movement yeah room for some movement 
And right. hope the losses go in the right direction. I do too. All right, Beach, it is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week I discuss a person in college football who exemplifies truly worse than sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. This week, Beach, we're going to give it to Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork. Okay, what did Ross do? Well, Beach, on Sunday night, he said it was his decision to fire football coach Jimbo Fisher early in the day, saying that the program was, quote, stuck in neutral. Bjork said he called interim Texas A&M president General Mark Welsh after the Aggies lost to Ole Miss on November 4th, which was a week before, and asked to meet. Now, Bjork said in a news conference that, quote, the assessment that I delivered was that we are not reaching our full potential. We are not in the championship conversation, and something was not quite right about our direction and the plan. We should be relevant on the national scene. So, Beach, in Jimbo Fisher's first three seasons in College Station, the Aggies were 26-10 and 10 and finished number four in 2020, the second highest ranking ever for the program after the 1939 national championship. Over the past three seasons, Texas A&M is 19-15 overall, including an active nine-game road losing streak that is tied for the program's longest since the AP poll began in 1936. Since Fisher's first full recruiting class in 2019, Texas A&M has signed 70 ESPN 300 players, the fourth most in FBS, behind Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State who have each played in at least one national championship game over that span. The Aggies were also credited with the number one recruiting class in 2022. Bjork said there was something just not clicking to provide confidence for everyone in the program. You have to adapt. You have to evolve. I'm not going to say whether he did or didn't, but it didn't work. Now, Fisher's A&M tenure ends with a 45-25 record over six seasons and no appearances in the SEC championship game. Bjork said he met, he and Welsh met with Fisher inside Kyle Field just before 9 a.m. on Sunday and informed the coach that they were making an immediate change as well as dismissing Mark Robinson, Fisher's associate athletic director for football. Bjork said the conversation was quick and cordial. Steps for removing Fisher began in a board of regents meeting on Thursday. An executive session was held that included a four-hour discussion, much of which was dedicated to Fisher's future. But Beach, here's where the jackass part gets in. Don't they owe him like $70 million? Fisher's dismissal is expected to cost the school more than $76 million to buy out his contract, nearly triple the highest known previous coaching contract buyout at a public school. According to his contract, Fisher is owed $19.2 million within 60 days, and then $7.2 million annually through 2031. Wow. There is no offset or mitigation on those payments, and the annual payments start 120 days after termination. Wow. Who wrote that contract? Somebody somebody wasn't looking out for the university. Yep. So Bjork said the athletic department and the 12th Man Foundation, a Section 501c3 charitable organization that is the university's fundraising arm for athletics, will cover the costs. Bjork said the financial the finances are monumental. 
Let me be very clear in this next part. Texas A&M Athletics and the 12th Mountain Foundation will be the sole source of the necessary funds covering these transition costs. Transition costs. Monumental wow. screw-up. Because they had... Pissing, pissing so much money away. I mean, granted, it goes to the coach, so I guess not pissing it away. But not for him. No value, no value for the university. He just gets to walk away with a beautiful golden parachute. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. Can you imagine being a booster saying, here, here's my $10 million to get rid of that guy that we screwed here's up. My, here's my $10 million for one year of his contract. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Just so that we can hire somebody new and we pray, we hope and we pray that he's better than the previous guy. Well, and they won, right? They'd won on Saturday and then they fired him the next day. Well, the decision was made. Yep. I wonder if he knew it was coming. I mean, I think so. I just think some of these guys have unrealistic expectations. Here's something for you, Beach. Since 1998, how many 10-win seasons has Texas A&M had? Three. One. Since 1998, how many 10-win seasons has Oregon State had? Two. Three. Okay. I just think it's ridiculous. Yes, you won the national championship in 1939. Great. But you're not as good as you think you should be. You, you never you have know, been. You, you know, I, I enjoy football. I like watching football. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I, I guess I just sit back. And, I mean, maybe these boosters have money just, you know, falling out of their wallets. I hope but so. It's just like if I was in their position, I'd be like, well, I'm a little disappointed, but I think I'm going to take a million bucks and go on a nice long, you know, European cruise. Yeah, something. You know, I I couldn't I couldn't take this money and just give it to a university that made a bad decision. And say here, here's more money so you can make more bad decisions. Completely agree. Yeah, let's get drunk and make bad decisions together. Sounds like a good idea. So Ross Bjork and the Board of Regents at Texas A&M for pissing away. $76 million. You get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. I just think it's stupid. $76 million. million. $1 million. Mm-hmm. All right, Beach. It is now time for our musical interlude of the week. It is my Ooh, pick. Been, yeah, I'm excited to see hear who you grabbed. Oh, it's not super exciting. Oh, okay. But since... uh. The Beavs waffle stomped Stanford this week. And there's no plans to ever play him again in the future. Mm-hmm. We have a little song by Scandal called Goodbye to You. Which actually we can say that to a lot of the Pac-12 this year. <laughs> we can, we can. Goodbye to You is the debut single by American rock band Scandal. The song was written by band member Zach Smith and is from their 1982 self-titled debut album. Now, lead singer Patty Smythe Beach, you probably Ooh. remember her. She was she was uh, looked at at one time so, to be lead so Van Halen follow, after David Lee Roth left. Following the end of Scandal, Smythe was invited by her friend Eddie Van Halen to join the band Van Halen to replace David Lee Roth as lead singer. However, she declined the offer because she was eight months pregnant and quote it was just not right time for me. I was a New Yorker. I didn't want to live in L.A. and those guys were drunk and fighting all the time. 
often wonder what would have happened had she taken that gig. Well, and I guess um, Eddie went out, Eddie and Eddie grabbed Valerie and they went out and saw her play someplace where she was playing in LA. And then they basically just jumped on the tour bus with her and rode around with her for a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. Cause I guess they really got along and he just loved her. He loved her singing ability. Mm. Thought she was a great lead singer. So anyways, so from possible Van Halen lead singer, Patty Smythe and her band scandal. Here is goodbye to you.
I do like that song, hey, Beach. Hey, Billy, correct me if I'm wrong. Did I hear that they've announced the uh, the schedules for next year? And there again, just to confirm, there is not going to be a civil war for football. You are wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. They have not announced the Beaver schedule yet. Oregon has announced their schedule, and yes, Oregon State is not on it. Okay, okay. But you are so wrong. Good. The Beavs haven't announced their schedule. Okay, but at this point, there doesn't show, uh, appear to be nope. a, uh, a common week where they're going to play. Nope, there is none. Beautiful. I hope this so is the start. I can, I can tell you, Oregon State will not be playing any Big Ten schools next year. Nice. Because they're not on anybody's schedule. I don't. Oh, well, maybe Purdue. Are they on Purdue's schedule? Oh, yeah, they are scheduled to play Purdue. Sweet. So we already know one game for next year. Yeah, so they're scheduled to play Idaho State. These are scheduled to play Idaho State August 31st. At Boise State, September 7th. And home against the Purdue Boilermakers on September 21st. Isn't that's Kurt? Isn't that uh, Kurt's? Uh, yeah. Alma mater. Well, no, Oregon State's his alma mater, but his dad uh, taught at Purdue when he was a kid, so he's always had a fan soft spot for him. Yeah, he's a fan of. Oh, totally understandable. All right, Beach. Let's get moving on along here. It's now time to go look at week number twelve. Okay. In the Pac-12, last two weeks, Beach. Last two weeks of the regular season, kind of crazy. This season's gone by way fast. It has. It has. All right. So, all the first game, we've got one game on Friday, November 17th. We've got Colorado at Washington State. Somebody's losing streak will end. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, golly. This is a toughie. You, you know what? Just because I just, I'm thinking Colorado's going to pull this one out. You're going with Colorado. Okay, so Kyle sent an email, and it says, Sick today. I have been sick. Colorado at Wazoo. And then a couple minutes later, he said, sent another email that said, Stupid things sent early. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado at Wazoo. I saw a video of a guy on a buffalo, and they fight off a cougar. Guy on a buffalo. YouTube it. Colorado. I too have taken Colorado. Yeah. Have you ever seen that guy on a buffalo? No. Stupid YouTube video about a guy on a buffalo. All right. The rest of our games, Beach, are on Saturday, November 18th. Okay. First up, Oregon at Arizona State. You're going to think I'm nuts? Uh-huh. ASU. I have to change it because I've already written down Oregon, Oregon for you. Kyle says, I don't even need ASU to win. Just tire them out. Ducks. I, too, am taking Oregon. So you think uh, uh, Oregon's old offensive coordinator might have a couple tricks up his sleeve for Oregon? I think Oregon's going to be more concerned about Civil War than they are about the game ahead of them. My problem with Arizona State is they're just so beat up. 
Yeah, I understand that. They're like on their 18th quarterback, and but, but they're I just, dressing up the water boy I, as I, offensive I, I, Well, there, there's two factors going into me. For one thing, if for me, in order to catch up with you guys in my in my numbers, I have to make some chances. Second thing is, I just really feel Oregon is going to – Oregon is so cocky, and they think they're already in the Pac-12 championship, and they think that the only thing that stands in between them is Civil War at home at Oregon. And – and again, I'm concerned because it's at home at Oregon. Uh, Autzen's a tough stadium. But I just, I have a feeling that they're going to overlook the game right in front of them. And the Arizona schools have always been a pain in Oregon's ass. And uh, and I'm hoping that they continue. Remember when Dixon got hurt? Wasn't it at Arizona? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, granted, it was Arizona, not Arizona State. But, um, you know, and, and I just remember they freaking orgasmed over Dixon every freaking game. Oh my God. Oh my God. Dixon, 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 Dixon. And whenever I listen, I was, I was listening to the duck broadcast on the radio when I was driving uh, home on, uh, on Saturday. Oh yeah, me too. And, uh, and it's like they freaking orgasm over Bo Nix. Everybody, Oh, Bo Nix, Bo Nix, Bo Nix. You know, when you look at Oregon state, we have so many people on that team, you know, receivers, running backs, tight ends, quarterback, they all seem to share the load, right? Mm-hmm. Yet you listen to a duck broadcast and you swear there's Bo Nix and like a few other guys. Bo Nix. It's always Bo Nix. And I mean, maybe he's the quarterback. He is the field general out there. But it just seems like they they just he's the end all. And, and you know, you're, I remember you telling me when Dixon was quarterback, he's like, Oregon is one injury from being a mediocre team. And sure as hell, when Dixon got injured, they were a mediocre team. Yeah. My only problem with that was Dixon ran the ball a lot more. Yeah. And yeah. if you watch Knicks this year, he's only got like 120 yards rushing. Yeah. Well, he is. He is, he so is. I'm, I know. I'm just saying he's he is playing very well this year. He's mm-hmm. really taking what the defense gives him and he's not pushing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he will if it, if he needs to, but he's. He looks like a different player. Looks more, much more disciplined this year. Well, like I said, hoping for Arizona State, that would be a dream come true for me. I'll tell you right now. Okay. So okay. next up, Utah at Arizona. Uh, Utah. Little baby goats. Kyle says, Utah gets Arizona at the right time. Baby goats. I, too, am taking Utah because it's at Utah. And it's hard to play there. Mm-hmm. UCLA at USC for the victory bell. Taking mm, bitch tits. Kyle says USC takes the victory bell. I too am taking USC. And our last pick of the week, Cal at Stanford. What's they play for? They pay for the Stanford Axe. The Axe. Cal. And Kyle says, Cal needs it more. Cal. I, too, am taking Cal. So there we go. And I think, Beach, think this is the last game for USC. Correct. This is their final game. Mm-hmm. So they are so seven then, who, four do, then best... who does UCLA play for their final game? 
Um, probably Stanford. Okay. Let me look. No, Cal. Okay. I thought they'd already played Cal, but I guess they haven't. So they, the Bears play the Bears. Yep. So there you go. So right now the Beavs are tied for third place, but effectively in fourth place um, with Arizona. Beavs just need to win. Just win. Don't worry about Arizona. Win. Mm-hmm. Okay, Beach, and we also have our final tailgater of 2023. Yes. Cheese steaks. Yep. The second coming. And so, uh, obviously, all and the it's normal. A 430, and it's a 430 kickoff. Perfect. So, that means an incredibly nicely timed tailgater. Not too late. Not too early. Hopefully, how's the weather looking at this point at, at five days out? Crappy. Damn it. Like, really crappy? Windy crappy or just rainy, drizzly crappy? I think just rainy, drizzly crappy. Okay. It's going to be a great game for I, I'm excited. So. I feel good about this one. You know, the Beavs have gone from a one-point underdog to a one-point favorite. Really? Yeah. Just means there's a lot of money coming in on Oregon State. Uh, virtually uh, virtually a tie here so yeah so well like i said i think it helps have an oregon state at home mm-hmm. um i'd like to have a home for our last two games that'd be fantastic but uh if i had to pick one i guess i'd probably take washington for because we we always seem to struggle up at uw yep so anyway well it's going to be it's it's going to be a great day we're going to be out there at seven o'clock for anybody that wants to come early hopefully billy will buy us a uh, a few uh, breakfast burritos that we'll, we'll uh, fry up. I'll get some breakfast burritos yeah. this time. And what time do you think you're going to start cooking, Billy, around noon? I'm thinking 11? probably about 11. I'll start getting stuff ready. So hopefully cheesesteaks by about noon. I, I think we're going to have a big crowd. What do you think? Even with the rain, I think Hope it's going so. to be a really high, a really uh, well-attended game. I've got 36 pounds of ribeye. Wow. Ooh, this is the fancier stuff, isn't it? Correct. Ooh, yeah. So, so people, you, you, you're on. If you're listening to this podcast, you're in the know. Uh, Billy sprung for a little bit higher end meat. This, not that the meat's ever bad that we get, but uh, he went all the way and splurging got the ribeye. Yep. So that's gonna be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Then, then we're gonna have the provolone, the cheddar, the whiz, do the trifecta. Correct. So good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm pretty stoked. Yep. So. Anything else you want to add tonight, Beach? Oh, I got nothing, Billy. I'm I'm good. I'll I'll be over at your place at uh, what uh, five o'clock uh, about Saturday five, morning. About five. Yep. Okay. I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 211 of Elite Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Add HeinrichTailgator on X. HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Remember, listen, subscribe, leave a rating or a review. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Send us an email. I'd like to get another email there you go. next week. You know, you know, reminds me of this, um, what was it, uh, uh, Softfelt. Um, not Wade, uh, Todd, mm-hmm. when he got, I think it was when Todd got married, he, he went to, they like registered at a target mm-hmm. 
and he scanned a snicker bar. Mm-hmm. And so, like, every wedding gift he got had a snicker bar attached. <laughs> so, I just want an email. Send, some, somebody send me an email. So. All right, Beach. Well, until Saturday, here's a great big Go Beats. What's up, what's up, what's up? Oh my goodness gracious. What's the matter? Well, I just had to do my update from Eugene. It's, I mean, it's intense. It's like the first time I had sex while camping. Exactly, exactly. It's intense. <laughs> it's fucking intense. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Ch-ch-ch-chia. Okay. <clears throat> a stapler? I do. I have one sitting right here. Ooh, that'd be helpful. Except you're not sitting right here. That'd oh, be man. odd. Where's my stapler? My chrome stapler. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling really good about this week, Beach. Well, I don't want to say anything. I'm just I I'm I'm looking forward to a good game. Um, I I I hate. I don't know if you ever notice. I hate saying, you know, even with the the weakest of teams. I'm like, you know what? I just want to see a good game. I want them to see play hard, and I I hope the luck is on our side. But I always hate. I always hate people. We're gonna kick their ass. I like beer. <laughs>